some kids came to my workshop, joined in, and then we had some kids who say, <laughs> I want to make a real app, but that's what I came for. I said in my description, we're going to do something with Keynote, but you know, kids don't always read the description. So I thought, well, let's give it a try. Welcome to our latest episode of 1001 Dents, a podcast where we look at the impact that Apple Distinguished Educators are making in their classrooms. We will listen to three-minute showcases from the ADE Institute stage and then dive deeper to get more context behind these stories. In this episode, we will talk with two teachers about teaching coding without actually having a background in computer science or any coding skills themselves. My name is Suzanne Lustenhauer, your host, and this is a topic very near to my heart, as back in 2016, I also started teaching coding using Apple's Everyone Can Code curriculum. I did this next to teaching English as a second language, and now eight years later, I actually spent the bulk of my time helping teachers around the world implement coding into their curriculum. Later in the episode, you will hear from Ali Suisa a literature and history teacher celebrated for his approach to teaching Dante's Divine Comedy, also through the Everyone Can Code curriculum. But first, we will hear from Bram Pamil. Bram is an educator in The Hague in the Netherlands. He teaches in upper primary, so his students are 9 to 10 years old. And Bram initially had no intention of teaching coding for this project he will talk about. He wanted to stick to creating keynote prototypes. But that's not what his students signed up for. Bram starts a showcase that we will listen to first by giving some context to his school. In our school, teachers give workshops during school time. Kids can choose what activity they follow in a digital planning tool. My workshops are often digital. One day I organized a workshop app design. And of course, my students did not read the description very well. I said app design with Keynote. When I started my workshop, I showed the template I created. The kids thought it was a real app, but guess what? It's just Keynote, with animations, magic moves, and so on. I was inspired by the Everyone Can Code curriculum. Most of my students already know how Keynote works, so they are able to add information and so on. And basically, they are just working on my curriculum goals, like language, collecting information, and presenting in a creative way. Thank you for having me at your lovely school. Could you introduce yourself and tell us your role at the school or what you've been doing the past couple of years here? Hi, I'm Bram. I'm 36 years old, a teacher at Kindcentrum Snyders. It's a school and daycare combined in one organization. I'm teaching a nine and 10 year old kids. And besides that, I'm the IT chef in the school. So I help the teachers and students getting their iPads working, using in class and creating amazing things with it. The Institute in Reading, you spoke about an app design um, project that you yes. did with your students. You started off saying that this was during workshop time. Could you tell us what is this workshop time and how is that organized? In our school, there are uh, different ages in one class together combined. That means that we have uh, several classes of that kind and we collaborate as teachers. So we also do exchange of students. So if there is a... For example, math is a club, so they need to go to there, but we also have workshop time and then every teacher gives a workshop and the kids can choose whatever workshops they want to and learn something. And in 
moment that I choose, we describe, okay, this workshop is about this subject. This is what you're going to learn. This workshop is about this subject. This is what you're going to learn. So they make a decision of, okay, I want to learn this. So I'm going there. I want to learn this. So that you give some ownerships to the children. And most of the time we have an agenda underneath because language is an important part of primary education. So most of the workshops have, there's always a language goal within the workshop. Mm-hmm. How long do these workshops run for? Is it per week that they choose or for a longer period of time? We've got both. Sometimes we just got workshops for one day and then you get an hour or an hour and a half. For example, a creative projects to do something with glue and paper, scissors and all that kind of stuff. But we also do sessions in a longer period of time. So then you can go three or four times to the same workshop. So you have a longer time to work on the project. And can you give some examples of the workshops? Well, I did, for example, a podcast project, and that was also a four session version. So in the first one, we just go to listen to podcasts. Okay. I want this are things about a good podcast, how you can get things for your own podcast. And then the next session, you're going to write a storyboard or a script for your podcast. And in the third session, you're going to record something. And then in the fourth session, you go to, okay, how can I make it more? add some audio or spice it up a little bit. And because it's once a week, in the meantime, kids have some time to work on their project in mm-hmm. class as well. And how do you decide that, okay, this is something that would work well in a workshop? Or why do you not make a podcast in, in just regular class time? Well, we do this uh, because we want to give kids some ownership on the way you want to do it. Because when I did podcasting, another colleague created a newspaper with the kids and another teacher created a digital comic book with the kids. So in the end, all the kids were working on telling a story actually. So on the same basic goal underneath, but the way your projects go, the look is different. I think that's great. I had quite a lot of children in the podcast session who thought, oh, that means that I don't have to use my grammar because I can talk to mm-hmm. tell my story and don't have to write it. So I think that's lovely because in the end they're telling a story. And for me, podcasting, working with Garage Band on iPad is a good project. I think I'm very capable of helping the students finish that project. And for other teachers, that's more difficult. So there's also more ownership for the teachers to Certainly, teach yeah. what they want to teach and maybe tap into their own hobbies and interests. So how did this app design project come about? Well, the app design project came when we were working about animals in school and the project about animals is like several weeks or something, the kids working on that and they have to get an, you know, an end result, a project where they're working on through this period of seven weeks, project in pages or something, or they make it on paper. And I said, okay, well, we could create an app. And in my mind, it was just like a keynote it has some clickable links, magic moves where things mm-hmm. that it looks like an app, but in the end, it's just a keynote. So that was my start and I just thought they can create a keynote, they can add information, they can add text, pictures, all the kind of things they actually are able to do already. And then we let it, give it a visual as an app and they can think about prototyping. That's where it started. And we... But then you have students like yours. Hey, Mr. Brom, we already know a keynote. We want to make a real app. The problem was I never did that before. So I told him, I don't know how to do it. I heard from a fellow ID, Suzanne. Hey, that's a shout out to me. That in Swift Playground 4, you can create real apps on an iPad. So I told my students, let's investigate. I think we can do this 
if we work together and learn as a team. And together, we took the plunge. To learn the basics of Swift, we started with Get Started With Apps. We learned commands like Haystack and Vstack. We learned how to add images and text and to add modifiers and how precise you need to work. One point too much will result in an error. Some kids came to my workshop and joined in. And then we had some kids who say, <laughs> I want to make a real app, but that's what I came for. I said in my description, I'm going to do something with Keynote, but you know, kids don't always read the description. Well, I heard that you could do some prototyping with InSwift Playgrounds from you. So I thought, well, let's give it a try. If you go to build an app, they have to collect information. They have to add something to get into their app. I said, well, we can give it a try, but then you need first to have your information ready. So then we can get the next step to see how we are going to program. I think it was a good motivation for some of the guys that thought, okay, I wanted to learn this. So I'm going to get my information quickly so that I can go get on to the next step. Well, we dived into Swift Playgrounds and um, when they were working on the project, I was Googling, okay, what <laughs> can I add next to them? I found some sources online, for example, how you can create a menu in an app. And that was so useful because then I could play first with it. And for example, we defined a uh, course. Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning, you just, you know, use the basic like red, blue, yeah. green, the basic colors. And then, yeah, there comes a moment to say, it would be lovely to have another color. So we... You have did. to make your own with red, green, and blue. And we did it as a variable. So we, we also give it a name. So one of these guys has the color Victor Blue in his app. <laughs> and I think that's lovely because they experience that you can manipulate the code to what mm -hmm. you need yeah. or what you want or... And that you can give it your own name and nobody cares the name because the app is running if you did it right. And there also happened a lot of errors, mistakes, and it's so wonderful to see how students then come together and put iPads together and, okay, I've got this and still working. I've got this and now it's not what's different. So they're really learning together. When the students were working on their products, I searched online for good resources. Luckily, I found this YouTube channel all kind of videos about coding with Swift. Just what I needed to learn more code to share with my students so they could add it in their apps. And here are some of the results. The hard work on the program code comes to life as an app on their iPad and it looks awesome. This first app contains a lot of info about extinct animals and even a floating timeline. The other student created this app about snakes. So you started with, get started with apps yep. and Swift Playgrounds, and I imagine that took at least an afternoon to get through. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of it, did you curate the materials for them and say, okay, here's where you can find your answer. Here's where you can find your answer. Or did they find, did they go on Google themselves as well? I think they did some Googling, but I guess for this age is there's so much information on Google, yeah. but they're, they're going to get lost. So I tried to get out of that part of it. So we got some basics, coding skills, you know, how to add text, you know, how to add images, you know, how to stack them together in your app, you know, how to add a menu because uh, I give you an example. So basically they have some coding concepts in their app and they use other apps like Keynote, for example, to create the images they need. Uh -huh. And I love that one guy made a timeline. So in Keynote, he created a, a massive white DR so he could do uh, different animals on it with just text and then you export it as an image and you can add it to your so a, uh, app. 
okay, but then it has to float. So we have to find a floating head uh, because the timeline should it be static. Mm-hmm. So then we had a specific, okay, this is what we need to find. And then Google is much easier than I just need some code if there's too much. Yeah, definitely. And because they're using the real language that professionals use. So you end up in some developer forum where a professional yeah, is exactly, asking yeah. a very detailed question. Yeah. And yeah. also because English is not our native language. Mm-hmm. So that's an extra barrier for them. When I often teach like coding workshops, we always wonder like, should we let them design the app first so that they get excited about what they want to make, but then maybe they design stuff because in Kilo they can design anything and they design something that is too complicated for where the code is actually too complicated. Or do you teach some basic coding skills first and then they kind of have an idea, okay, this is what I can make and then do the designing in of coming up with the idea of what they want to create. So you did it design first and then coding. Would you yeah. do it the same t- the same way if you were to yeah. do it again? I, I see the problem, their imagination and design that's lovely in Keynote, but if you want to transfer that to real code, it's difficult. <laughs> if you add things like magic move in your Keynote, it's amazing, but how are you going to transfer that to code in your yeah. Swift Playground app? So I guess when you're going to transfer from the Keynote to the Playground, you have to or scale down something or, so that was why I, for example, a starting page and then adding another page is a difficult step mm-hmm. in Swift Playground. It's easier to just actually work in one view and the menu in one view is working perfectly. And then they have different pages for all the menu clicks for, especially this age, I think basic is enough, but it's complex enough already yeah. uh, and otherwise they're going to lose. And doing design first is a really great way to get them motivated. And for some kids, design only is enough. Yeah. And for some kids, they want to experience the real thing. Then it's lovely that you can get to that. And that's that's also why this was great as a project. Because you didn't need to have all students on board to continue on this next step. Because all students create something. All Mm -hmm. students have a project on the end. Some have it in Keynote. Some have it in Swift Playground. they all met my goals, my language, yeah. <laughs> but you're collecting information, you're creating your own text with it and, you know, spice it up some way. How did admitting not knowing something, because you told them, yep. right? I don't know this yep. either. So let's figure it out together. Yep. How did that help your students in this process? I think for the coding part, we were equals. Yes, I'm a teacher. Maybe I have some other skills because I'm older. But on the coding part, we're on the same level. So we're learning together. I don't know everything. So we have to find out together. And that was really uh, something that changed Barry with them something like he's not the one who knows everything. He also doesn't know things. So we just have to find out and we're going to try together and learn from each other. And I guess the change of I'm the teacher, I know everything and they are the students and they just have to listen. No, it was a group project. It sparked joy and it sparked learning. Also, it was okay that we failed and we did mm-hmm. something wrong and it doesn't work and doesn't work again and again. And you How know, did it, you keep them motivated through that? I guess the good part was that because it was a workshop schedule, you had some moments in the time that you came back together yeah. in a classroom and that you have time to Find the talk with each other. and. Yeah. Put some iPads together on the table and see, okay, you've got this, I've got this. How are we going to make it work for both of us? So yes, there's my teacher role in it, but they are also having a teacher role in tutoring each other. And now 
they're also tutoring other students in school because now they have some expertise. Yeah. So what other skills do you think your students learn during this project? Besides they learned some coding, but I think what well, they learned collaborating, problem solving or debugging, but they also learned to, you know, accept this is a wonderful keynote, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to scale down to this and then I'm still happy. Um, so it was something on expectations and reality matching yeah. together. Kids in class were most of the time more in the lead, right? so they're not so used to make a lot of mistakes because when we're doing the normal math questions, they're mm -hmm. just going to get a, a good score because they're the clever boys. So there yeah. a lot of things going just easy in class. And now there was a project that wasn't easy. If you have the design cycle, make a plan, try it out reflect and make a new plan and circle around and in normal class situations like with you know grammar or math they're not going so much in the cycling doing it again and again and again and with a coding project like this you have to you have to yeah i always make the analogy that in english class because i'm an english teacher at coding so i could really see the difference in english class i could ask my students to write a poem and it's very easy to make a poem because you just have to let your words rhyme but it doesn't mean it's a good word, yep. right? But when you're coding, it's more difficult to get something that really works because if it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. You just have a bug. That's something that these students will need to, yep. to grapple with. What would you do differently if you uh, were doing it again this year? I think I'm still going to say I don't know. Uh -huh. Because it's a powerful way, I think, to invite them to take lead sometimes and give them some feeling of, hey, I can do things. I am able to learn things. And the difference is what I would be doing different, I think, um, stay more in the back because I was learning now at the same time. So I was just a learner as them. And maybe I should sometimes give them some longer time to you know, just play around, swim uh -huh. in the depths and don't know where it's going to end up. What are your next steps into your coding journey? We're sitting next to a first Lego League table here that you're proudly just showed me. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your next challenge for this year or are you going to do some Swift again as well? I'm going to do some Swift again as well. I learned about the creating a face in Swift Playground. Yep. It's a lovely project for, especially in the beginning of the year, because you're in a new group. So mm -hmm. you have to get to know each other and to create something yourself or someone else and then, you know, see how that's developing. And so the curriculum is called Everybody Can Code, but do you think every teacher can teach code? That's a good question. I think yes, because when I see the manual for teachers with Everyone Can Code projects, every teacher could use it because it's almost the same like the manual we have for the math instructions, which helps you step by step. But there is something with confidence, I guess, that a lot of teachers think, oh, I can't do this. So most of them also didn't try it. Uh -huh. So maybe that starts with just try it first. We've one class who already did the creating the faces. Mm -hmm. Cindy helped in that class because that was for that teacher, the step, okay, there's someone else in my class who knows something about it. So that's the reason I want to give it a try. Another teacher, we did it together after school first. That was a step 
for her to, okay, I'm going to do this in the class next week. Cause I think everyone can, but With sometimes you need to deliver to, yeah. you know, going to start it. And I hope that if our government finally decided some digital literacy <laughs> things in our basic curriculum, that is going to, go to grow because then you just kind of have to. And then because we are, yeah. yeah, because we are a digital school or the kids have an iPad, you have to do some digital literacy already uh -huh. because you can't say, okay, we give you an iPad, but we go not go to train you. Mm -hmm. That's not working. But a lot of schools, I think they, yeah, well, they use it as a typewriter or something like that, but not really that things like create your own projects. And I think that's, it's wonderful if we can hand the kids that feeling already in the start of our academic route. What I love about this project is the students learn a lot besides coding. They collaborate, debug errors, and learn how to present the information they found about their topic, what my goal was originally. The students were also investing way more time, even at home, on their project. And now these students are my coding wizards. They pass their knowledge to other students and help them to create apps. And besides a lot of new coding skills, I learned to say it's okay. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I'll show you where to find it. Next up is Annie Suizzo, a literature and history teacher in Italy. Like Brom, he also has been teaching coding without having a coding background himself. But he has the luxury that his students are taught coding with Swift in a different subject. So he can use that knowledge for chance-based learning projects in his class. We'll be through a showcase and explore how he lets his students make Dante's Divine Comedy come alive through coding and interactive storytelling. Here he is talking from the stage. Hi folks, Ale Suizzo from Italy. I teach literature and history in high school and I use iPad and Apple coding curriculum in my lessons to engage students and have fun with them. You may remember me from such project as Dante and BB-8 Coding the Inferno, with which I won the Italian Teacher Awards in 2018. And my students showcased the project in London Leadership Summit 2019, or project as NIR work with Dante in Purgatory in 2021. But after these years of glory, the question was, <laughs> what would I do, what would I do in 2022? I have to teach the Divine Comedy every year to my students. How am I going to make it engaging and for them and raise the bar for myself? How did you first incorporate the Everyone Can Code curriculum into your literature and history lessons? Because it's not like an obvious jump to make. Yeah, no, it's not obviously, but uh, the idea came up after the um, Apple Distinguished Educator Academy of 2017 when I became uh, an AD and during a, during a workshop on Sphere and Swift Playgrounds, they asked us to try some new ways of incorporate coding in our lessons. And then from there, I tried to find a way. And mm -hmm. uh, in September, when I came back in, in the school, I proposed to my students to study Dante and the Divine Comedy in this way, using coding, using robots, and Sphere in particular. You know, I'm not, uh, as I said, I teach Italian literature and history, so no experience about coding. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, obviously, the Everyone Can Code curriculum helped me 
to go in this new subject. For me, it was all, all new. And mm-hmm. uh, it was very useful, very simple, uh, using this curriculum to, to understand how can coding help me in my lessons. Mm-hmm. And so did you learn to code yourself as well? Or did you just tell your students, I don't know this either, and I'm going to learn it with you, or you're going to learn it and I'll coach you? Basically, when I came back in, in the summer at home, I tried to use Swift Playgrounds and try to play with this new app, and it was very simple. So from one side, it's like that I play and study a little with Swift Playgrounds and the, and the curriculum. In the other side, when I show to the... It's normally, it's always like this. I show to my students how to start, Mm-hmm. And then they go on and they will understand and know and learn more mm-hmm. than I can do, you know, because I'm not an IT teacher. Yeah. This just telling them how to start and then letting them go on, this I think is also very much part of the CBL, right? The challenge-based learning where you give your students a problem, you give them a little start and then you say, okay, go find out all the things that you need to know to be able to yes, finish this, yes. right? This is, in general, something that I assume in my in my teaching to start with the challenge for all students. In particular, the class that did the project we are talking about, uh, about the app of, uh, of the Divine Comedy, is an experimental class. We did a project with the Ministry of Education in Italy that is called OLD. It's like not old about uh, <laughs> to be old, but it's like in Italian it's oltre le discipline. That means over the subjects. Uh-huh. We studied like, like yeah, it's we studied on uh, on a storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, and in this storytelling we put in some challenges and real challenges about real life. And mm-hmm. they have to study in this way all the year. So mm-hmm. for me, it's very simple with this class to propose a challenge about Dante, the Divine Comedy. The different challenges that you set them, what were the requirements that they had to do in the in this project? Did it need uh, to be an app? Did yeah. it need to be a game? Or was is like mm. a prototyping keynote also good? Yeah, the requirements, um, the, the challenge I, I put on the table was how can we interest students like you Mm. or students also more little than you, like kids, in studying the Divine Comedy. Because, you know, this is a a medieval poem. Uh, It's written in a a language, an old old language. It's like Shakespeare, Mm -hmm. for example, for you, for English. And it's not so simple. It's also uh, a little um, boring to study the Divine Comedy. So uh, the challenge was, how can we transform? So there was three groups, and I choose to, for example, to a group that is not so skilled in coding, to start with the prototype, with keynotes, Mm -hmm. okay? And the other two groups that are more skilled, like working Swift, and uh, Mm -hmm. the third group, the one that developed the app, well, there was two guys very skilled in the coding Mm -hmm. and in Swift and in Unity. So Mm -hmm. there they decided to develop the app. They asked me, teacher, can can we develop an app? (laughs) When when they said to me, yes, sure, (laughs) you can do it. It's fantastic. It's amazing if you will 
develop an app about uh, the Divine Comedy. So, and you know, the the game is very uh, funny and interesting and engaging for them. So it was like natural. Yeah, yeah, I just did it. I got attacked by a lion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that they were able to really build it and publish it to the App Store and everybody's able to download it and play this game now. Um, but yeah, you, of course, you can't expect that from everybody, right? That they make something that is this and it also looks really good and it has custom sounds in there and yeah, it, it looks really professional. Last year, I challenged them in a way that I call a light version of CBL, three different projects, three themes, one for each cantico. Adapting to the skill levels of the students, I personalized the assignment. And as you know, iPad is perfect for personalized learning. To promote gamification, I offered a final prize, the sharing of the best product on the web and other channels, like today's showcase. Let's start with Paradise. Three boys and two girls, they use Swift Playgrounds and Swift UI. While we were studying the poems, they built a version in the About Me Playgrounds using emoji and images. The second group focused on purgatory, and thanks to Keynote, they created an interactive website transforming the characters based on the Grand Theft Auto video games. The third group has chosen to study help by designing and creating a platform game with Unity in Xcode. Let's see the work process of the third team. Each student worked on different activities following their individual passions. At first, they only worked on iPad, creating characters and animation with Procreate, or working on sound and soundtrack with GarageBand. Um, do the students have coding as a subject as well? Or how much coding did they know already? Yeah, uh, they study coding in this class. They have six hours a week, uh, separate subject from my lessons. So they are naturally uh, more skilled in coding. But Swift is like uh, three, four years that we start. So IT teachers start to teach Swift yeah. because before they always teach IT, but different languages, different types mm -hmm. of and uh, so it's like uh, they are growing up you know students growing up with the teachers together yeah but yeah. you know also if this uh, these guys study coding mm -hmm. not all become very um some of them are really passionate about it and it's, it's yeah. normal no you know in in all the classrooms of course you know, yeah i studied i had math but i never became good at it yeah but <laughs> at least i know some of it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yes like me also me Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's that's amazing. That because you know they have it as a subject, it's something you can just let them use in your uh, Italian or literature or history yeah. classes. You know, in the groups, they can express themselves in different ways. No, so for example, I don't know if it was a, a question, but we talk about personalized learning about yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, every person inside the group express himself or herself in different ways. In the hub group, for example, a student who really like music, so use GarageBand to mm -hmm. uh, compose all the soundtrack of the app. It's it's all, it's all original. When I, they present them the the prototype, uh, I was like, oh. <laughs> It's fantastic, no? So the, uh, another one, another student draw the characters, the movement with the app Procreate in iPad. 
and uh, another the script what the, the characters have to do have to speak and uh, it's, it's really amazing and in this group there is also uh, students with special needs uh, asperger and it become very um, um, part of the group normally you stay apart you stay a little uh-huh. no but in this case you have to uh, collaborate he become like um, uh, can I say um, protagonist inside uh-huh. the group okay so it's very nice to see uh, this change inside the group inside the, in the inside the class it's really great when you see that happening yeah yeah Alessandro, a student with autistic Asperger syndrome, designed the character patterns with Procreate. Others still started programming on Mac with Unity and Visual Studio, then with Swift. But other results have come by this new type of CBL that I renamed CJBL, Challenge and Gamification Based Learning. Students collaborated, they worked in autonomy, they respected deadlines and assignments, studied the poems while having fun, presented their project in public and to a researcher from the Ministry of Education. And how did you guide them? Because I'm assuming now that all of these groups were then working on different projects. How were you able to guide them if they're all doing different things? Yeah, this was not so simple because uh, normally we studied the three canticle, so Inferno, Purgatorio mm-hmm. and Paradiso, in different years. We start from the third year mm-hmm. with Inferno, then Purgatorio, then Paradiso. Uh-huh. And, but the idea was to have a vision of all the comedy, all the poem, and so we start studying the structure of the Divine Comedy or, or this uh, world. Because, you know, Dante, he did um, uh, a journey. Mm-hmm. But basically, I divide the three canticles. So every group, one canticle. It's not important about the level of the group, but this was more about the, the final product. For example, Keynote is more simple. Yeah. And how much time did do you think the students spent on their apps in total? Because doing like a prototype in Keynote, you can do, well, you can do something in an hour, you can do something in 10 hours. and But, you know, making an app in uh, Swift Playgrounds or Unity takes so yes. much more time. Yeah, because uh, this is something like that also because the stud- students uh, also at home they they have to work at home. It's not only mm-hmm. in uh, during uh, school hours. Some of them, uh, you know, the one they are very passionate with coding. I think uh, they they didn't t- t- tell me how many uh, how many hours they uh, stayed on, but I think that at home they um, they work a lot about this because normally. Uh, but I think that also they, they ask the support, the help uh, of the IT teacher about coding sometimes. And can you share some specific examples of how the students integrated elements from the Divine Comedy into their projects? Um, yeah, it was very funny because even if I, do, I, I didn't tell uh, them about it, they naturally transformed the Divine Comedy in something that was like uh, real life, uh, real uh-huh. games normally. Uh-huh. So for example, uh, in the Purgatory group, they start from the video games uh, uh-huh. Grand Theft Auto. 
and they bring characters from the video game and they transform it in the in the characters for of the Purgatory. So Dante was like uh, one of the characters or, or Beatrice and the same things also for example for the Paradise group. There were, they use uh, they use the Swift Playgrounds app about me and put all the information about the chance inside mm-hmm. the about me app. And for example, they transform the verses and the rhymes with emoji. They use emoji instead of words. They transform the poems. And this is very interesting because I didn't tell them to transform, but it it becomes like uh, natural. And this is also because they know that I like when they experiment, then they Mm -hmm. challenge them in different ways. So I'm not, you know, the teacher that said, no, you can't uh, destroy the divine comedy. (laughs) If you were that kind of teacher, you would have never set this challenge, probably. (laughs) Yes, this is is true. For me, going to the classroom is also have fun with students, create an ambient Mm -hmm. that is really calm and uh, And it, it, it become always productive, this type of learning and teaching. How did the students present their apps to a wider audience? Uh, normally, every year, uh, we present the products of the past year during mm-hmm. a, the Eocode week. Uh, mm-hmm. So in October, they always uh, organized one event and then they present uh, to other students of the schools and also to parents. So they really showcase. So they normally create a keynote so they uh-huh. can also show, for example, the app, uh, how it works, uh, or the keynote in the, for the prototype uh, so they can explain the project uh, and uh, to uh, a lot of people, a lot of students. And this is work uh, because the other students of the other classrooms, uh, they're really, uh, um, There is always a wow in the in, we have a, like a big a big uh, space to present. So normally, uh, 150 students can participate to this event about Eucod yeah. Week. So in 2018, you won the Italian Teacher Award also for coding project, right? Yeah. Um, did that give you like a confidence boost to do this project, or how has getting that recognition influenced your teaching? Um, it was very important for me and I think it's like, for example, this project when I started in 2017-18, this project uh, about Dante and coding and Swift, uh, uh, a lot of colleagues, Italian literature colleagues, don't look at me like uh, very, you know, it was like I was... Uh, uh, mm, Uh, not, not, uh, I don't find it the right word, but they, they look and they think, ah, they are simplify too much mm. the divine comedy. They are like, Dante now is very angry about uh, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, this prize told me in this moment that I was uh, in the right way. So I continue to challenge me and challenge my students with all this project. Uh, now they look at me in different way. You know, they know that it's not important how much of the poems the guys will remember. Because mm-hmm. if you ask to the students to memorize, they have to memorize mm-hmm. all the verses of the Divine Comedy. But this is something that you can, you, you, you will have it for a, a week or a month. 
then you you won't remember anything. Yeah. So yeah. the difference is like that because my students remember the Divine Comedy and the structure of the Divine Comedy. Some verses also after one year they will remember <laughs> in all their life because it's something that really impress you. They go deep uh -huh. inside the subject that they are studying using coding in this way. What about the activity of making an app about it makes them more involved with the with the poem? Because you could also say, oh yeah, they only need to know a bit of the basic characters and then they'll put it into their own game, right? So what what about the project made it so that they had to to have a good understanding of the poem? Yes, this is a good question. And uh, the answer is that they have to repeat when you code, it's not the only a matter of coding, but you have to repeat and to uh, read and read another time, a process that uh, involve you in the go deep in the poems, also in the poems, because you have to always read and listen and do it a lot of times. When my students in 2018 start and studied the, the Divine Comedy with Sphero, they code and put inside the, the coding some verses of the Divine Comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, then when they code the BB-8 inside the map, they yeah. listen these verses like, uh, I don't know, a hundred times. Yeah. It's like yeah. what? <laughs> uh, so. This is something that it's very helpful because in coding, the problem solving process is something that at the same time makes students more confident also about the subject, in this case, about the, about the poem. That's interesting. Because when they're just reading, they can say, oh yeah, I read it and that's it. But when you're coding, if it doesn't work, yeah, you just have to start over again and have a lot of patience. Yeah. Something that it's very important in this, the support of your um, uh, leader inside uh -huh. the school yeah and this is something that i always appreciate because my leader she always let me free what i want to do mm -hmm. and uh, normally we start the year in september um, she asked me and this year what will you do because <laughs> <laughs> every year i i try to find something new for my students and for me because i uh, I don't li I don't like to do always the same thing. Same thing, uh, in, uh, yeah. Yes, so yeah. this is very important mm -hmm. that uh, you have a um, school leader that lets you... Support you, yeah. Yeah, that supports you and, uh, and let you free of experiment and uh, work in the classroom totally free, yeah. yes. Yeah, because did you have to give them grades as well for the projects or not? In my school, we already have an evaluating process that is very focused not only on the A, B, C, but is focused also on the process. So we evaluate the process uh -huh. and the final product and sure also the learning about the subject that they are studying. But mm -hmm. we are focused on the, also on the process. It is it's very important because the students know that when they are working, we are looking for them and we are um, mm -hmm. we we observe also what what they do while they're working in groups so in my school we are like in italy not a lot of schools have this type of, of yeah. evaluation so it's and, a culture uh, as well yeah 
Yeah. The, yes, it's a culture, and it's yeah. it's like something like six, seven years that we are mm-hmm. going on this way. This year, the, the our leaders say that uh, we have to <laughs> exclude totally the evaluation okay. with numbers. So we will have to. We are trying to find another way to evaluate to let the students improve. No, mm-hmm. not. Because the numbers, you know, when you get a bad evaluation, it's like something yeah. that put down the students. So it's very important for us to uh, always them engaged in, in what they are studying. I think I'm forgetting something. Oh, the prize. And guess which group won? Here it is. Use your iPad. It's only for iPad OS to download the prize now. A few seconds left and you'll play with the hell. Yeah. Alessandro ended his showcase there with a QR code to scan that will download the Dante's Divine Comedy app that his students have published to the App Store. You can find this link in the show notes, along with links to the Apple Education community, where you can continue the conversation on coding in the classroom. Join us next time as we're talking to two German educators, Anne Reid and Martin Muccia, about having a clear vision about pedagogy and starting from the why before implementing change. If you enjoyed this episode, then please click follow in your podcast app and we'll see you in the next episode.